Hannah, have you ever experienced the existential dread when you drive your car, park it, go inside, maybe go to sleep or whatever, come out the next morning and you start it and just like all of your alarms are on and your car's shaking? No. Okay. That is what I experienced about two weeks ago. I got the the Rona, as they call it, you know, finally. It only took two and a half years to actually get it. So I feel pretty good about that, I guess. And I didn't really have any symptoms, so I also that was nice. But because of that, I did not drive my car for about maybe five days. And then when I finally uh, was free and could leave my quarantine of my apartment, I was headed back to work, turned on my car, and just like rumbling like it was shaking and like my my power steering alarm was on my check engine light was on there was like this message that was like error with your like drift thing and I was just like god damn it I was like I don't want to deal with this you know I was trying to look around to see if anything was weird and everything seemed fine and like my car is pretty new Hannah and I have the same car and yours is probably what like six months older than mine yeah they're 2020s 2020 and I've had no problems with it so far which you shouldn't you know with a car I don't drive very much and also like it's brand new so it should not be breaking down so I'm like I don't want to pay for this I called the a mechanic that I've taken my old car to before and they were very familiar with my old car because I had to take it there every couple months and they're like okay we'll we'll take a look at it and get back to you so then uh towards the end of the day get a call back and he's like yeah, you know, some uh, some rodents chewed through your wires. Oh, my God. Yeah, rodents, Hannah. Probably squirrels, because they hang out around my car. Chewed through wires in my car. Jeez. And on top of that, he told me that he's like, I have never seen more cars come into my shop with wires chewed through than I have in the last two years. He's like, I've seen, like, the amount of cars in the past two years that I've seen in my entire, like, career. Like, it, it apparently, what is happening, Hannah, car companies are coating their wires with a soy-based coating, Hannah. Soy. What do animals like? Food. Food. They eat soy. Rodents eat soy. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Someone, it didn't get through some some testing stage where they just didn't think about that and didn't consider it. But all of your, your wires, Hannah, in your car are covered in soy. He was like, you could spray some peppermint oil in there. They don't like peppermint. And I'm like, I'm not going to spray some peppermint inside, like, some essential oils in my car to ward off the rodents. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, maybe don't leave your car. He's like, try to drive your car every day or two. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'd do that if I didn't have COVID and was right. quarantined. Like, the one time my car sits for more than two days is when my wires get eaten, Hannah. I was pissed off. Thankfully, it wasn't very expensive, but I was pissed because I was like, God damn it, rodents, leave my car alone. Leave them alone. You don't need the wires. The soy is not good for you. Like, you are not going to experience joy eating that plastic soy coating. Uh uh uh. Man. So that's just a heads up for you, you know? Yeah. Be aware. Good to know. Even these rodents are struggling during COVID. They are. <laughs> these trying times. They're so desperate, they're chewing through wires, you know? They don't have enough food. Survive the winter. They got to get their soy where they can, Hannah. It's rodent sabotage. They're turning on us. I was distraught, though, because I see some squirrels hanging around my car, you know, every now and then, and I was like, damn you. Don't you go chewing those wires. Yeah. 
Don't you go dying on me. But anyway, I was, when I turned on my car, Hannah, I was distraught. Because I was like, I haven't had to take my car to a mechanic since 2020. Yeah. And I was loving it. I was loving having to just be able to drive and not be worried about my car breaking down on the highway for the fourth time, you know, as Mm -hmm. I had experienced it four times at this point. Do you know that it's not, that's not a normal thing, Hannah? It's not. Sometimes I bring up issues that, like, my old car had at work, and, like, nobody I know has ever had to have their car, like, break down on the highway. And I was like, it happened four times. You were there two of the times. I was. The sad time we had to pull over and... In Flint, yes. Flint. Yeah, when that tow truck came before Dad got there, and we just had to, like, be standing in the abandoned parking lot, like, an abandoned vet's office in the rain with our luggage, just, like, in a parking lot. We were like, well, this is it. (laughs) There's a photo. There's a photo? Did you take a photo? You took a Snapchat and saved it. I took a Snapchat? I think so. Do I have it? I don't think I have that. It says like alone and stranded in Flint or something. Do you have that? I've I know I have it. I've seen it somewhere, so I must have saved it. I don't I don't know. Maybe I screenshotted it. What a time. Yeah. But yeah, so I was uh I was really enjoying it, but then the rodents had to ruin. They always do. Ruin my time. As my friend would say, those damn mice. <laughs> ah, those damn Get mice. Get you every time. It's Christmas time. Christmas time. Is There's here. no need to be afraid. <laughs> oh my God, have you seen the creepy, um, the edit with he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, but with the Law and Order SVU oh, theme yeah. song, so it's like he knows when you are sleeping. Do 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 do. Anyway, it's Christmas time. Welcome. This is Research Rank Repeat. I am co-host Alyssa. This is co-host Hannah. And we're here for our annual Christmas movie episode. Woo! <laughs> that's it. Okay, yeah, that was it. That's it. That's that's it. We We told you we'd be back by the end of the year. Yeah. We're back. We are going to edit our Christmas list. We have three new movies. I picked a movie, Alyssa picked a movie, and we let a random generizer pick a movie for us. Generizer? Gener uh randomizer randomizer a generated like a random generated generator generator yeah randomizer that's what i meant yeah that's what i meant generizer i like that i like i had to think for a second i was like what what's going on yeah so we were like we can't do five this year we don't have the time we don't have the energy like 2022 is a shit year you know we can barely just get the episodes out you know in an orderly fashion considering our like three month hiatus we took but we can never say no to christmas uh now hannah last year you were attacked by a spider yes how the spiders stole christmas yes can I, I'd like to tell you now, Hannah, yesterday I was doing dishes, minding my own business, and I turned to my right and there was a spider hanging from the ceiling at eye level. And I went, ah, 
And then I kind of got him down with my, like, what I was washing, and I kind of lowered him to the counter, and I was like, all right, you hang out, and you do you. Mind, mind your own business, and uh, leave me alone. But I, the spider attacked early this year, one day early. Almost got me. Ugh. Almost got you, but the spider couldn't be bothered. The spider's taking the, taking the year off. So are we. <laughs> Us and the spider are the same. <laughs> we are the same. Oh, Hannah, also... Do you remember in last year's episode, you claimed, quote, that you were going to create a website and that I would help you create this website? Do we have an update on this website? Because I had completely forgotten about this as I was just told to, I I was told that I was going to assist with it, um, but not be in charge of the creative process. So just curious how that, how that went. We have an update. Okay. Months and months ago, I actually started to create the website. Okay. Okay. It is technically up. It's in, okay. It's in production, but it's not. Um, months went by without any work on it. That's you know what? That's fine. It does exist. It exists. You know what? That's more than I was expecting. Yeah. So that's fine. I'm still planning on doing it. Got to get some more stuff, and I found a website that will do free transcriptions. Oh. So that's nice. my hope is to put transcriptions of all our episodes on there because I know it's. Um, important to have accessibility yeah for people who are hard of hearing or stuff like that of course so yeah so it's 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 being worked on took a bit of a hiatus you know as as we do yes but my hope is the beginning of this next year that i'll start reworking on it and i'll give an update Nice. nice yes how exciting i'm i just was listening to our last year's episode just to prepare for this one and i was like oh interesting yeah i forgot i announced that yeah, you just kind of announced that. You were like, I'm just telling you now, I'm at work, I'm going to make a website. Um, 2021 Hannah had high hopes. So did so did 2021 Alyssa. Yeah, 2022 Hannah's a little bit different, so. I would agree. Yeah. I, a little more realistic, a little, yes. more, a little more beat down, you know. We came down to earth quickly. <laughs> we did. Yeah. But anyways, so yes, that is my update. All right, well, good to know. Now... I think we just went straight into Christmas episodes. I don't think we did any any pre things before Christmas. So um, I picked Elf. I just we both were like we'll pick a movie, and the first one that came to my head was Elf, so I went with Elf. Sounds good. So I got some background. Sounds great. Elf rated PG thirteen or sorry PG. <gasps> PG thirteen. No PG. Is that the unrated version? Uh, technically, it was supposed to be PG thirteen. I'll get to that. I believe that. Yeah. I believe it. Anyways, it came out in 2003. It's an hour and 37 minutes. It had a 7 out of 10 on IMDb, 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 64% on Metacritic. It is directed by, I always say his name wrong. John Farvo. John Farvo. I think it's Farvo. Farvo. Okay. I think so. Um, And written by David Birnbaum. Birnenbaum. That's a fun last name. Yeah. Uh, box office was $225 million. Um, So basically, this initial script was written by David Birnbaum, Birnbaum in 1993. Mm-hmm. And um, potential people who were set to play Buddy were Chris Farley and Jim Carrey. Which I can see. Yeah. Um, basically, what happened was that the script underwent, underwent a bunch of rewrites uh, it was originally much darker, and um, Far- Farvra, Far- 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 Farvo, 
Farvo. John Farvo wasn't really... Let's go with that. Sure. We're going to stick to it. John Farvo initially wasn't interested in directing like that sort of movie, but he wanted the chance to work with Will Ferrell as it was his first post-SNL movie. Oh, okay. So basically they reconstructed the movie to make it more of the vision that like he had, and it originally would have been a PG-13 script. Which makes sense if you're having Chris Farley or Jim Carrey play the lead. Yeah. Right. Okay, so the film uses a heavy amount of forced perspective, and that is to exaggerate the size of Buddy compared to the other elves. Uh, Mostly in the scenes, obviously, with like the beginning scenes. Pretty much the beginning scenes were the only ones with the elves, actually. The first. Yeah, maybe the very end, too. Right. Yeah. And um, this movie inspired a 2010 Broadway musical called Elf the Musical. Also a stop motion, like SNL uh, short they did too. Okay. So the soundtrack is the second highest selling soundtrack for a Christmas themed film since they began tracking that, which was really? in 1991 was when they started tracking that. What's, do you know what the top one is? Polar Express. Oh, God. That soundtrack is really popular. To be fair. I do have Believe on my top Christmas Josh songs Groban. list. It's a he great sell, song. He can it's sell the, any Christmas album. I specifically I think the last time you watched Polar Express, I asked you to let me know when it ended so I could watch the credits yes. just to hear the song. Yes. Yes. So Elf often ranks among the greatest Christmas films. It's on a lot of films lists. A lot of lists. It's on a lot of lists. Yes, on a lot of lists of the great Christmas films. Yeah. Yes. Um, and some of the scenes that are filmed in New York at the beginning when Buddy arrives were with people who, like, weren't supposed to be involved in the film. Yeah. Like, they basically just told Will Ferrell to, like, run around just, New York. Yes. I've definitely gone through the entire Wikipedia page of Elf yeah. at some point in the past, and I do remember reading that and yeah. thinking that was fun. And there was talks of a potential sequel um, having been created it's deemed unlikely to happen because i guess there's been issues with will ferrell and john fav Favreau. okay interesting i wonder why i don't know they had some issues so they both said that it's like unlikely to happen at this point also and also it's like 99 years old yes and also the i'm pretty sure the guy who plays the dad died he did yeah, yeah um, he did die. I can't think Walter, of his name right now. Uh, Walter. Walter Hobbs. Walter, yes. Anyways, so they've said it's basically not going to happen at this point. I also don't think it needs Doesn't, a sequel. I don't think it would do well as a sequel. I don't think the message would translate the same. I don't yeah. think it would play the same. I agree. So I'm kind of cool with it being a one and done situation. Yeah, me too. And now I have a summary. All right. Who is a charming sharp man who has daddy issues not Tyrion lannister it's miles finch when will ferrell sneaks into santa's toy bag as a baby he ends up at the north pole and discovers his true calling as an elf there is beef and cheese the world's best cup of coffee and exquisite mailroom dancing in this christmas comedy that reminds us that anyone can be who they truly want to be but the children love the, the books. First thing I wrote. But the children uh, was it really? The yeah. But the children loves the books were the first thing I yes. wrote right at the top here. I also wrote oh, that. Oh my god. Amazing. 
Um, I literally only wrote like three notes for this movie because I've I seen only it so many wrote, times. but the children, I literally, I only wrote, but the children love the books. I know. That's all I wrote. And then I have my stuff at the bottom. Right. Because I just like, I, well, Hannah, I have a question actually. Do you remember seeing this in theaters? Yes. Because we did see it in theaters and it was the tiniest theater yeah. I think I've ever been in. Do you remember that? I do. It was like, a like maybe 30 seats. Yeah, it was Tiny. Tiny. Uh, what year did this come out? 2003. Okay, so we would have been in Tennessee then when we saw this. Maybe that's yeah. why the theater was so tiny because we were in uh, a very small town. Maybe. In Tennessee. This is the only Christmas movie that we've done so far that I remember like seeing for the first time. Right, that when I have it came like, out. a very specific memory of. Um, yeah. And I think that maybe makes it feel different, potentially. Just because, like, I feel like some some movies, it's like, I don't remember seeing. You know, I don't have, like, a memory of seeing the movie for the first time. It's like, I just I just know the movie. I think it's definitely one, one of our most quoted Christmas movies. The only one I can think of that's more is probably The Grinch with Jim Carrey. Christmas Vacation. Oh, Christmas Vacation, too. Yeah. That it's one definitely think, up there, yeah, though. It's up there. You know, I was watching this, and I was like, I don't even think I can come up with a favorite line, because I, like, I know so many of these lines. Like, oh, there's just so many of them. I think this movie is just, like, it's fun. And I read somewhere someone said, like, Will Ferrell totally bought into this role and just, like, went with it, and that's why the movie works. And I have to say I agree. I definitely agree as well that, like, this, that character would not work with someone who's not fully committed. And, like, he is, in any other movie, would be, like, the most annoying character. Like, you would hate them. They'd be that, like, side character that nobody likes and is, like, you know, gets in the way and is, like, really annoying. But I think he plays it so earnestly and... Like, he's so earnest in the role. Like, he's genuinely, like, amazed with all the random things in New York. Passion Fruit Spray. Yeah. Um, You know, genuinely is just, like, so happy and loves Christmas and loves sugar. Candy, candy canes, candy corn, and maple syrup. And I think think that's why it works is because Will Ferrell does such a good job of portraying this, you know, childlike character who with no, you know, like a fish out of water story. But Mm -hmm. um, I like that everyone else is very grounded. Yeah. Um, And really the only character that feeds into that is Michael, the his other son. Which he's younger. So which he's younger. Yeah. But I like that all these other characters are like very like based in reality they're very much like hey th- th- he, you know like he's there's something wrong with him you know it's you know there's some or like there's something going on like you know like when he takes him to the doctor and he's like he's probably like having you know some like psychosomatic psychosomatic to yeah. fill the void of not knowing his parents you know and stuff like that so i think that i think that helps because it's not so over the top where like everyone is over the top it's like just him like he is the one in this world like in new york city that is different and is trying to like adjust and like find his place yeah yeah i think it's like it's a really good comedy movie but i think that there's like a lot of like heartfelt moments in that and i really like i think the story really works i think his father being like on the naughty list and like him like learning i guess what's more important in life than working and stuff like that and Every time I watch Elf, I feel like I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, 
I I always have an incredibly hard time recognizing Zoe Deschanel with blonde hair. Yes. Because that's the only role I know of her in that ha- she has a different hair color. And I am always thrown off every time where I'm like, oh my God. Right. She's blonde in this one. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, I think it works in a lot of ways. Um, I think maybe if there's any like negatives of the movie, it's that, I don't know. I feel like sometimes when I watch it, like parts in the middle, I'm just kind of like, Maybe because I've seen it so many times, yeah. maybe that's why. I, I just feel that... like it just kind of in the middle a little bit drags, but I think overall it's solid. I think also there's a little bit of the humor that doesn't necessarily like work today or doesn't yeah. really hold up or like me as an adult versus me as a kid. Like I don't exactly. Yeah, and we're we're talking about early 2000s humor, which was yeah. definitely. Some of the stuff with Miles Finch, I'm like. Yeah. It just like goes on too long. It's like, too much. I think. I think the it, the very least, like, it's played in a way where everyone's in on the joke, right? Because he is, like, from the North Pole and therefore is like, oh, someone, you know, he is an elf. But, like, I felt like when I was watching it this time, I was like, okay, this is this has gone on a minute longer than it needed to go on for. So I would say, like, some of the humor, I think, is maybe, like, a little, like, eh. But, um, you know, product of its time and... Uh, I think the story and, like, the the dialogue, actually, honestly, great dialogue most of the time. Yeah. So I think that's what really carries it. I really me. like the character interactions. I think I a lot too. of the smaller character interactions really work well. Yeah. And so I think that's probably what it's, one of its, like, high points of the movie is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I didn't write anything else down because I okay. just wrote down, but the children love the books because we love to say that. Yeah. I would say a favorite character is Buddy. I just think he's, you can't help but like feel for him and like want to root for him. And he's just like essentially trying to find his place. And I think most people can relate to that. Maybe not in the extreme, but in like the sense that he's in a new place, he doesn't feel like he fits in, etc., etc. Like everyone's been through that. Um, so I just think he's very, like, endearing. Yeah, I agree. I also picked Buddy. I I like his character. He, ca- I mean, he carries the movie, right. um, you know, in a way that I think works really well and ways that he's able to, like, learn and grow. If somebody came into my house and dismantled my TV... Uh, the Entertainment Center. Entertainment TV Center stand, yeah. and made a rocking horse out of it, I would be pissed uh, yeah. myself. But, you know, we all have our flaws, also, the the dancing in the mailroom. Every time I watch that, I'm like, how can I do that? Like, what do I need to do to be able to do this? Because I've, I've tried. We've I, tried. And I used to dance, too. Like, I've tried. Can't do it. I don't have the, I don't have the flexible, like, heels for that. But he's just, like, such a joy to watch. And, like, it's just fun. It's a fun movie. It's, um, and it has heart. Yeah. And we don't really get to see him in this type of role very often. No. Um... You know, like normally he's very either super comedic and in a more in a not inappropriate. I say in air quotes because like usually he's in like PG thirteen or R rated comedies, or he's very serious. And Mm -hmm. like this is kind of like this like goofy, kind of fun, more made for like a family comedy. Right. Um. So it's fun to see him in that role. Yeah, I agree. My favorite scene was actually what you just said. I love the mailroom dance scene. It's fun. I love it. 
Every time the I whole, watch this the movie. The whole mailroom scene is I great. Know. When they're like yeah, when laying he meets, on the table. Yeah, yeah, when he meets the guy and they're like just having a good time drunk and then yeah. they're dancing. Like it's just the whole thing I love. Yeah, I like that. And I also like the scene. I think the whole last scene with like the Central Park and them like trying to get the Christmas spirit. Like I think that works as like a finale to a movie pretty well. So I like yeah, both of those. I agree. And then um, line, I can't, I can't pick a favorite line. There's too many. I just went with, but the children love the books. That, I guess that's the only one I wrote down. Um, but I also but love, you smell cheese. like beef and cheese. You don't even smell yeah. like Santa. Yeah. There's a yeah, lot. Santa. Yeah. There, I mean, there's so many. Yeah. Um, so last year we did something where we did the best music use. Um, because I feel like Christmas movies a lot of the time are very known for their um, soundtracks and like use of music. Uh, did you have a favorite to music use, Hannah? Yeah, it's technically not like a Christmas song, but I really like the um, their date sequence, and it's the "You Make Me Feel So Young." Oh, I just yeah, I just really like the like whole that whole sequence is just really cute. Like them like going around and she's like playing into the fact that he wants to go like taste like the world's best cup of coffee and all this stuff. And I just find the whole scene to be like cute and like I don't know, it's nice. Yeah. Um, so I went with the use of, uh, Sleigh Ride. I think that's the name of the song. I probably could have looked up, but it's when he's, like, gets to the mall, and he's just, like, experiencing everything with the, especially the passion fruit spray where mm-hmm. he gets yeah, passion fruit spray, like, body scent sprayed into his mouth, and then is, like, aghast over it, and I love it so much. <laughs> I think we've said, we've quoted that multiple times on the podcast. Passion fruit spray? Yeah. I like the use of that song. Like any of the like the the montages of him like experiencing things with the backing music, I think works really well. I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, now we go to my choice, and we're gonna dial back the clock a little bit, um, all the way back to a good old black and white. I decided for my choice that Hannah told me first. She said I'm picking Elf, and I said cool. I'm gonna pick something not Elf. <laughs> Very far different on the spectrum, but a classic, the same. I have chosen It's a Wonderful Life, uh, our mom's favorite Christmas movie. Actually, I was talking about it at work, and nobody I worked with had seen it. Not many people have. It's not as, I feel like it's not as um, well-known, which, fair. It's a Wonderful Life came out in 1946 uh, in black and white. Although if you're like me and you just search for it and click on it, Amazon will give you the color version. And I was like, something is wrong. And then I came to the discovery that, yes, it is. Because I asked Hannah, I was like, is it normally in black and white? Or like, is the version we usually watch in black and white? And she was Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, great. Because I was like, something seemed wrong. But anyway, it's uh, got a runtime of two hours and ten minutes. It's rated PG. And it is a Christmas fantasy drama directed by Frank Capara. Capara, Capara, like Capara, Capara, um, who was well known for a lot of his films made in the 1930s and 40s. Um, he actually directed the main actor uh, Jimmy or James Stewart in um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Um, he had a couple award-winning films before he made this. So, uh, it's a Wonderful Life is actually based on a um, pamphlet slash short story called The Greatest Gift that was released in 1943. So a really quick turnaround between release and production of this movie. And that pamphlet is also loosely based on A Christmas Carol, 
which is funny because at work last a couple days ago I was um, trying to explain the movie to someone who had never seen it before and I was like oh yeah it's kind of like this kind of is like a Christmas carol and then I read that and I was like oh I'm like you know what it all makes sense like it's so it was purposely based off of like loosely based off a Christmas carol um, which is a novella by Charles Dickens, which last year we did uh, A Muppet's Christmas Carol. So we have talked about that story into movie adaptation already. If you wanted to hear our thoughts on A Christmas Carol, you may listen to that episode. One of the actors is uncredited in this role. Well, actually, there's like 20 uncredited actors and actresses. But one of them of note is uh, Jimmy the Raven who plays um, Uncle Billy's bird in the movie. Jimmy the Raven was in over a thousand films between the 1930 and 1950, acted for 20 years in over a thousand films. I just thought that should be noted um, because it's pretty good. Lifetime Achievement Award for that Raven, Jimmy the Raven, give it up for him. 1944, um, RKO Pictures purchased the rights to the um, story for $10,000. They wanted Cary Grant to be involved, who was a, a famous actor of the time. However, Cary Grant was working on a different movie, I think a different Christmas movie. So they were like, hey, Frank Capara had this production company called Liberty Films. And they were like, hey, you want to buy this Christmas film, like the story to make a film out of it? And he was like, yeah, sure. So he bought it. Um, they said they sold it for 10000 but he claimed that he had to buy it for 50000 So there's some you know, disputes on some things. And so this, um, the short story was actually only 4,100 words. So it was really, really short. And it had the, like, the bare bones structure of what the film would be, you know, and this, the character is a different name, but the general premise is, like, what was there. And so there were several screenwriters on the production of this film. There was initial screenwriters who worked on it at the first studio. There were other screenwriters who came in later on and because of that there were a lot of disputes on writing credits i guess one of the people who wrote the film who was given like a a forethought credit like not a full credit like they him and the director were not or on speaking terms after that because of that what happened with the writing credit disputes so in casting the um actor who played mr potter who is like the villain banker of the film actually played Ebenezer Scrooge in um, radio productions of A Christmas Carol and there is a lot of um, similarities between those two characters which I thought was interesting that they purposely chose right. this actor because of his role. This movie was filmed on this like insanely large ranch this movie ranch it was a 90 an 89 acre movie ranch and they created a town in the f in four acres of those 89 acres they created an entire town and they actually let pigeons cats and dogs roam around them sets freely so it would appear that they were lived in like it was like a 900 foot town like they created the entire thing um and actually most of it does not exist i think the pool that pool scene that actually exists in a real high school in beverly hills and one of the homes exists but otherwise the entire set was demolished um at some point in the past <laughs> this is just because the 40s were a different time. So the scene where the young George Bailey gets slapped around by uh, the guy who he works for um, was real. And the kid got slapped so hard that his ears started to bleed and he began to cry. And the actual actor who slapped him was really drunk on the set when they filmed that. And he felt bad, so he hugged him afterwards. 
Oh, God. Yeah, I was yeah, no, reading that. No uh, labor laws or child protection. I was reading that, and I was like, Jesus Christ. What is this? So there also were a lot of alternative scenes um, that were written and filmed, but were not um, put in the movie, and they actually rewrote the ending as well. Um, a lot of the scenes that they cut were um, involved more like prayer and a lot more um, religious undertones, but they thought that it was too overly religious, so they wanted to take out some of those scenes. Um, they also had three different cinematographers because there were also issues with the cinematographers. So, but because they're like the film is shot in different ways, it didn't really feel jarring to have different like people be like running the cinematography. So they thought that actually helped the movie due to the fact that you follow this character throughout his life. So there's different time periods that were set in. Um, this movie was also released right after World War II. Um, it was a lot of these actors' first credits after returning from the war, because um, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Stewart did serve in the war. And it was seen as a movie that helped with a lot of the loss and hardships that a lot of the people had experienced during that time. And it had a lot of mixed reviews when it came out. Um, it bombed in the bof- box office. It only made $3.3 million, and it was said that it needed to make about double that just to cover the costs of the film. It really didn't do well. It was considered a failure at the time it was released. A lot of the um, uh, contemporary reviews, like general audiences, writers and reviewers seem to have more like mixed views on it. And even the FBI made a comment about the film that I thought was very interesting. So 1947, which is the year after the movie came out, the FBI released a memo in which they commented on how um, the depiction of bankers in the film was, quote, a common trick used by communists, end quote. They really didn't like the portrayal of Mr. Potter, the banker, as being this evil man. You know, those communists. Yeah. This, of course, was around the time the Red Scare was going on, so it makes sense. Yeah, I guess that makes uh, sense. I just thought it was very interesting that the FBI felt the need to comment on this film and its, you know, themes and characters. So, while this film failed, let's talk about how it became a cult, like a classic, a Christmas classic. So, in 1976, this film entered the public domain. It, it had, um, it's like, license had expired. So basically, um, stations could air it without having to pay fees to like air it on television. Um, and so, in the 1980s, it became a uh, like normalized Christmas like broadcast that like would air multiple times a year. And like the 80s is really when it became like a staple of um, Christmas movies. In 1999, it was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the li- Library of Congress. It was ranked number 11 on American Film Institute's greatest movie list um, in 1998, and then in an updated one in 2007, it was ranked 20th. The American Film Institute ranked it the number one most inspirational movie. It had five Academy Award nominations. It did not win any, with the exception of a Technical Achievement Award. Um, now, this is really interesting, Hannah, because when they filmed this, as this does take place on Christmas Eve, or a bulk of the movie takes place on Christmas Eve, they wanted to create a new formula for snow. Because what they were currently using before that, Hannah, was um, cornflakes. Cornflakes. Yes. And they were so loud to step on that you would have to redub the lines later because you couldn't hear anyone speak over how loud the cornflakes were. 
So what happened is they created a new snow with water, soap flakes, fomite, and sugar, um, like a fire suppression, basically. Previously before that, they used a lot of asbestos. Uh, fun times for all the actors and actresses involved who probably developed mesothelioma. Asbestos? Yeah. What did oh, I say? Abestus. You've said that before. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. That word I, I, I've never been able to pronounce. And I, I took a real whack at it because I had written it down and I was like, I should mention it because, because um, like Wizard of Oz is notorious for having used that on their set. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they created this new snow and they won a technical achievement award, which I think is pretty cool. They also, it also won a Golden Globe for Best Director. And it was colorized three times. Once in 1986, once in 1989, and once in 2007, which is the version that is used on streaming, um, streaming services and DVD. It also had um, several remakes, and there were too many and none noteworthy, so I didn't list them down. There was also a 1990 made-for-television um, sequel based on Clarence, The Guardian Angel. It has a rating of 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb, and it has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now on to my summary. <clears throat> loosely based on a short story, loosely based on a classic Christmas tale, follow the life of George Bailey, a man who constantly gives up his dreams to support his family in town. Follow his life from child to disgruntled 38-year-old about to commit suicide until Clarence, a guardian angel, is sent to help him find his worth at an hour and 40 minutes into the film and earn his wings. Clarence does not appear, Hannah, until an hour and 48 minutes into the film. I wrote a I've, note. I had forgotten that it took I know. that long. I wrote a note that I said, interesting, you technically hear about Clarence at the beginning. You aren't re- reintroduced to him until there are 30 minutes left. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. He's only in, like, significantly in, like, less than 30 minutes of the film. Yeah. But I feel like that's, like, one of the things I remember, you know, that you think about and remember with this film. Yeah. I understand why this is a classic. Like, this is why this is considered one of the best Christmas films, why it's considered a classic, why um, people like it. Because I feel like it just has this very, like, good message. James Stewart or Jimmy Stewart, wherever everyone refer to him is, he, he, like, plays the character of George Bailey so well. Like, you feel such sympathy you feel so much for this character because you watch him grow up and see everything he has to sacrifice um, and gives up and, like, becomes so distraughten and, like, so, like, upset. Also, sorry to side note here, but I I just need to make a comment on how Mr. Potter fucking steals money and there are no repercussions. Doesn't get in trouble. Nothing happens to this man. He just steals money and is like, hmm, it's my money. The 40s were a different time. I, I was that reading still a, a comment um, when I was looking at reviews and somebody like in the 90s, I think, made a comment that they were they were like surprised that it made it past censors, that there was no like repercussions for this man for stealing that much money. Like, again, it's a communist play. Yeah. <laughs> I think this movie is like a masterclass in character development. Yeah. And, like, focusing on a single character and, like, developing. Like, you literally get his whole entire life up until the point where he's at. I also think it's, like, a very simple but also complex film. Mm -hmm. I think that it really 
relies heavily, which I think a lot of the older movies do because they didn't have as much action and stuff. It relies really heavily on the writing and like character interactions. Yeah. Which I think it does really well. And I think too that I like how the movie flows. I like how it's set up. I think that it's interesting because most of the movie is like leading up to it and then like what happens if he were dead, you know, his hypothetical. You don't really get much of like the last like 30 minutes are basically all you get of like going through all of that. Can we also talk about how like in this like alternate reality where everything is horrible, his wife is single yeah. And therefore, that's. I mean, to be fair, it was the forties. But like, so she's like, not. She's unmarried, so that's being her a spinster horror. is right. like the worst thing that can happen to you, Hannah. Right. Definitely and she has glasses. Yeah. Oh no. Definitely, some of the scenes are a bit like, eh, like cringe. But Date. it's also the forties. Yeah. Like as a young boy, he talks about how he's going to be an explorer and then have a harem. And multiple yeah. wives, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, so we've talked right. before about how we have to try to view these movies from the lens of when they were released. Yes. Um, I mean, it's they didn't have blackface, so. I mean, it was I guess, 80 years ago. Yeah, there was no yeah. blackface. That's true. So I guess that's a plus. And there wasn't really anything that I found to be, like, offensive. No. In the sense of, like, you know, like, racism or, you know, I mean sexism but again it's the 40s and i can look at it through the lens in which it was released you know and it's a story based from like 1919 to 1940 so i think that's also why it holds up and like is because there really isn't anything that like you know that i too like yeah where it's hard to look past you know those things exactly Um, so I think it just, like, yeah, it is, like, the story carries it. Um, mm-hmm. It has a lot of really likable characters. You like, I mean, Clarence is yeah. great. He's very likable. George Bailey's likable. Um, Mary, his wife, is very likable. Except for Mr. Potter. I hate him with a burning passion. But he's supposed to be hated. Like, right. that is That's his role, to be hated. Um, right. Rightfully so. But I think it is, um, I think it's well done. It's a well-told story, and it's and it's simple. I think that works, that it is, like, it's not this, like, elaborate, magical Christmas story, you know? Like, if it's just mm-hmm. this guy just, like, trying to live his life and, yeah. like, realize that, yeah, people, like, people need him. People rely on him, and he's very important into people's lives and, yeah. you know. I think if you don't enjoy a lot of, like, writing, dialogue, like, smaller moments, you might not like this film as much, or you might yeah. find it boring. Mm-hmm. But I like it. I yeah. I enjoy those kind of movies, and that's something also, that I we also was kind of indro- indoctrinated into it, right? Also, yeah. Um, but yeah, I um I think my my one thing is is this is not a for me personally. This is not a movie that I can watch every year. Um, okay, because it is a two hours and ten minutes long. It's a long movie. There are like a lot of movies that I would consider to be really good movies that I also wouldn't really watch a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, that I I can I can watch, and I, I have certainly seen this movie multiple times, but I think that if I tried to watch it every single year, I might have issues with it. See, that's interesting because I, this is the one movie that I always want to watch every year. Okay. I watch it pretty much every Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. I think that's my one caveat with it, but I like I think it's a well done movie. It's a good I agree. It's a good Christmas movie that doesn't I like it because it also like Christmas is not necessarily the focus of the right. film. It just happens to take place on Christmas on Christmas Eve. Eve. Right. Um and therefore Christmas is the backing of like the present day story. Yeah. Um and I like that aspect too, because it makes it not as um it can exist in its own right as well. Right. Yeah, because um, with our our next movie, I feel like it's incredibly hindered by the fact that it's very involved. Christmas, with Christmas. focused, yes, yes, yeah. I if agree. that makes sense, I agree. Yeah. Okay, my favorite character is George. Yeah, I think that I mean he's the he's in he's in so much of the movie, but I also think that like you said, James Stewart plays him really well, similar to how he said Will Ferrell played Buddy really well. I just think that he's you you want to root for him. He gives up a lot to support his family and to make sure that like his dad's business stays running and stuff like that. And I just like all of his interactions with the other characters as well. Yeah. I also thought um the child actor who played him did a really mm-hmm. good job as well. Um yeah. I really liked his actor his actor who played him as a child. Yeah, I I agree. He's just like I was going to say, James Stewart is just known as this, like, kind of every man, like, in Hollywood at the time. He was kind of, like, had, he's got a little bit of a draw, you know, he's, like, the everyman actor and, like, was really well liked and, like, respected. And I think he plays that role super well. Yeah. um, Of just being someone who's just living his life and has hardships and has difficulties, but is able to, like, see in the good in things um, and Joker, I like that he, like, jokes around a lot. I think that's, he has, like, a really fun, you know, playful attitude a lot of the time. Um, I mean, particularly not at the point when he's contemplating suicide. Well, yeah, but, but early you know, on, yeah. As shown and expressed, especially with, like, interactions with him um, and Mary, especially, you see a lot of that. But, I, yeah, I think his character is really, um, is really, co- like, complex. I agree. A favorite scene, I've always loved it. I really like the Charleston dance. Yeah, the dance And I love the fun. part where they're, like, about to fall into the pool and everyone's cheering and they think it's because they're, like, dancing so well and stuff like that. Yeah, the dance is a fun, it's a fun one. Yeah. The scene of him on the bridge when he wants to go back to, like, present day, I think is really powerful um, and really well acted. And it's just, like, very... It's like, it's not a very long scene. It's only Mm. about 30 seconds, but I think it conveys everything that it needs to in that time without being too overly dramatic. Because, like, the version of this in A Christmas Carol is incredibly intense. Like, you're at his grave. Like, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge is looking at himself in his grave and then, in some adaptations, falls into his grave. I think that's how it's written in the book or the novella. But I like that this is not that. I like that it's just him just, like just let me go back to my life and then he's back and it's just like it's pretty it's a simple scene but i think it works really well yeah quote i think i don't know if it's like cheesy but i really like the one where he's like you want the moon just say the world and i'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down like i just think it's like a really like sweet is that what you wrote yep yeah i just think it's like a really sweet scene and like very like endearing and just like sincere yeah yeah, and, I know, like, yeah. the um, the every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings is, That's like, like, the, the iconic popular. line. Yeah. Um, but I, I really liked that as well. I think it's, like, it's, like, playful, and it's, like, sincere, and it is sweet. It's, like, a, it's like a cute, fun line. 
that he says to her that I feel like conveys his feelings. Like, you know, he's like, I want to give you any, you know, everything that you want. Um, music, in terms of, like, music, I like the scene at the end where they're, like, the girls playing the piano and the whole town's just, like, there. Like, I just really like the end of the movie in general. But I think, like, that kind of, like, nicely wraps up, like, all the support he has in his life and everything like that. And, like, being in his house with his kids playing the piano and stuff like that. I picked the same scene as well. Um, there's two songs that are there. The first one is Hark the Herald Angels Sing is the first one. And then the second song I was going to look up and I forgot. But it's also the same song that's at the end of Elf as well. Yeah. I can't remember the name. But anyway, um, I agree. Same scene where like basically all the people come together to repay everything he's done for them to make sure his business stays afloat and it's just like really heartwarming and like a happy scene his brother comes back it's like a flu out in a blizzard for you brother yeah um okay i think it was a a well done musical sequence yeah all right okay now save the best for last save the best for last um this was our what i called a generizer a generizer yeah we used a um we released a we we took a video when we used this back in october but we we were like let's do three movies and we were like can we find like a christmas movie randomizer that will like generate a movie for us and we used that and it gave us christmas with the cranks which is a movie both of us have seen yes so thankfully i was not thrown off guard by the quality of the film going into it yeah all right christmas with the cranks rated pg came out in 2004 was an hour and 34 minutes had a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, a 22 out of 100 on Metacritic, and a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it is a 5%. I think 5% is a little low, honestly. I think Master of Disguise has more than 5%. I know. No, it's a 5%. Box office, $96.6 million. So this is actually based on the 2001 novel Skipping Christmas, written by John Grisham. And, Who wrote um, Jurassic Park? I don't know. Oh, John Michael Grisham. Crichton. Sorry, Michael Crichton. Yeah. Sorry. John Grisham writes a bunch of, like, law. Law. Like, uh, right, because like, he lawyer. was involved with, like, Law and Order. I think so, yeah. Okay, right. Just, sorry, I got my I got my authors mixed up. Yes. It was directed by Joe Roth and produced by good old Chris Columbus. Not to be confused with Christopher Columbus. Oh, they're two different people. Oh, no. Okay, okay, wait, wait. No, okay. I meant Christopher sorry. Columbus who discovered America. Yes. Chris Columbus who did Home Alone? Yes. Made this? He he produced it, yeah. Oh no. I know. And and Harry Potter? Made I think this? So. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Ah. Yeah. That hurts. Anyways. That hurts, Hannah. So originally they wanted to film this movie near Chicago or Minnesota because this movie takes place in like a Midwest setting. Due to extreme weather conditions <laughs> during those time periods, they set up a stage in California. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. No shit. Um, which was supposed to be used for future movies, but due to complaints from locals over toxic, toxic residues and a lack of profit, the studio closed the setting in 2012 and a mall was built there. How fun. Yeah. What kind of toxic fumes are we talking about I don't know. Here? It didn't, it didn't uh, from the snow? expand. I don't know. The Who knows? Mesophilioma? Maybe. Asbestos. Asbestos. Asbestos? 
Um, so on its opening weekend, it was the third best movie behind National Treasure and The Incredibles. Both so, quality movies. Yeah. So the soundtrack was produced by Steven Van Zant of Bruce Springsteen's band. Oh. I will there's, say, soundtrack? Yeah. Pretty good. I was going to say there's horrible reviews about the movie, but the soundtrack is widely considered like one of the better Christmas soundtracks. Yeah. So it is actually the second worst reviewed Christmas movie on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know what the first is, but it's lower than 5%. I mean, I'm assuming it's not any of the, like, the Hallmark ones. No. It's probably, um, I don't know what it would be. Let me see. I don't, yeah, I'm curious. I should have looked that up. I'm just, like, genuinely curious because, like, yeah, it's not good. I don't think it's a 5%. But what's, what's considered worse? Oh, it is the Nutcracker 2010 that had a 0%. Nutcracker 2010. Starring Elle Fanning, Nathan Lane. What? Yeah. Apparently Nutcracker they made Nutcracker in 3D. Yeah. Is that Queen? What the? Actually, my guess was going to be Deck the Halls, which is a 6%. Oh, but it's no. not that. Anyways. Yeah, so it's the second worst reviewed Christmas movie on Rotten Tomatoes behind the 2010 Nutcracker. And now I have my summary. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Move over, Mr. Grinch and Hans Gruber. There is a new Christmas villain in town, Luther Crank, a.k.a. Tim Allen. No, he doesn't get arrested for cocaine use in this film, but maybe that would be better. Good old Midwest dad terrorizes the neighbors, commits almost cat murder, and tries to put the mailman in a coma. But with a neighborhood like his, I almost can't blame him. Why the fuck are these people so goddamn nosy, Hannah? I don't know. They're so concerned with their people's business. They're like, you're not having your Christmas party? You're not ordering Christmas cards? Also, do these people not work? Because they're all home during the middle of the day and it's not COVID. Leave the fuck alone. They don't work from home. They just just want to live their lives. Stop getting in their business. (sighs) I I just like, from the the get-go, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. I don't think we saw it in theaters. No. I have never really been particularly fond of this movie. Like, I don't remember liking it as a kid, and I've only seen it a few times, like, on TV occasionally, and I've never really been particularly, like, cared for it. But having to sit through this movie all the way through after having watched two great Christmas movies was really hard. Yeah, I made the The mistake of watching it last. The humor sucks most of the time. There's a few scenes I like. It's hard because I love Jamie Lee Curtis, but this this ain't it. She couldn't she couldn't save the film. She couldn't save the film. I think she plays a Midwest mom obsessed with Christmas pretty well. Um, I'll give her that. She plays the part. This is it's bad. It's a bad movie. I think because they go so they for go so hard. They go so for like the the town obsessed with Christmas, but it's like the neighborhood obsessed with Christmas. But it's just, it's so extreme. And also, like, it doesn't, a lot of it, like, doesn't, like, Luther Crank's an absolute asshole. Let's put oh, that out course. there. Um, the fact that he, like, doesn't even want to let her contribute to a charity because it involves Christmas is, like, yeah. the dumbest thing ever. But. Agreed. And also the fact that he ices his driveway and tries to, like, kill yeah. his mailman and all he that. He also steps on a cat's tail, like. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, um, cat murder. Yeah. I think that the problem is. It's just, Most, like, mean-spirited. Well, it's mean-spirited, and I honestly don't think there's many good characters in this movie. No. Even the side characters aren't that strong, is the problem. 
No, like, I don't like anyone in this movie. Even the daughter. The daughter comes back home unexpected after a month and is engaged to a man. And is so casual about that, where she's like, yeah, I'm engaged. I'm bringing him home. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You've, you you reunited with someone you knew in college, and yet and now you're like, let's get married. Also, I'm leaving the Peace Corps to come home after a month. <sighs> Hannah. I couldn't believe I had forgotten that they had just met and had gotten engaged. And I was yeah. like, and the parents are like not concerned. Like that concerned? It's like a very like first world white yes, problem white movie. People problem. <laughs> it very much is. That, that is a great way to phrase it, Hannah. You know, it very because much like, is a first world. Oh my God. We spent $6,000 on Christmas last year. Let's use that and go on a cruise instead. And but like just the, kidding. Now tell me this, Hannah, if you, like, let's say you decided, I'm going to go on a cruise instead of celebrating Christmas this year, which, fine, I mean, you don't, I mean, a lot of people don't even celebrate Christmas, so do, you do you. Do whatever you want. You don't have to celebrate Christmas a certain way. But if your daughter is like, hey, I'm coming home, are you not fucking going on that cruise? You're telling me that you're, you can, well, one, you're going to be able to cancel that, or you can just lose $6,000, like, no loss at all, like, no monetary loss like, you wouldn't be upset by that, Hannah? Yeah. If, if I had a daughter who wasn't coming home for Christmas, and I said, all right, let's treat ourselves to a cruise. If she was like, hey, I'm coming back, like, today, I'd say, sorry, we're leaving tomorrow on a cruise. Fuck Sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, going on vacation. Um, I'll pick you up from the airport, but then I'm going to be gone the next day. Like, yeah. Like, the so, biggest, yeah. the oh. biggest conflict in this movie is that they have to suddenly plan a Christmas party. Yes. Before the daughter comes home. Yes. I'm like, really? And that's the conflict. That's, we have to make no cookies. Stakes. We have to make cookies and get the ham and get all, you know, get my drinks and invite this creepy old man to my yeah. party. I hated that scene. That scene made me so uncomfortable. When he's like in the store and he's like, you yes. still live on this street. And I was like, get away, creepy And Santa. he's just like, he's just, uh, he's just, I don't hate it. Yeah. I hate everything about it. Yeah. I um, just, it's I just a bad movie. It's bad. It's, it I was, bad. I was not thrilled having to watch it because yeah. i was like i'm not gonna like it i already know i don't like it but it got worse yeah honestly i didn't like, even pick a favorite scene i didn't either but i will say the only character that i really cared about was nora jamie yeah. lee curtis jamie lee Be- curtis yeah because That's i think I out of all the characters character. she's like sure she's obsessed with christmas but so is our mom yeah. but she's like very like she's very genuine she's at least trying to like do both routes um right yeah, I didn't really even have a favorite music moment. I liked, um, there was like a five second scene where they start playing Frosty the Snowman while zooming mm-hmm. in on this giant Frosty with like flames in his eyes. And I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um. So I kind of liked that, I guess. The line that I actually laughed, the only line I think I actually laughed at was when they were tanning and the tan like lady who works there is like, you look like a corpse. And I was like, me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was like, like pretty much oh. the only line that I thought was funny. Yeah, there were like a few specific lines. Like there's one when he um, accidentally like falls off the roof. There's like some of the dialogue was good with that, that I was like, okay, this one yeah. kind of works. But like, and like this Dan Aykroyd plays this, I hate Dan Aykroyd's character. He's just like. Yeah. Abe Frohmeyer. No, yeah, yeah, there's no Abe Froman Sausage oh. King of Chicago. They are know. outside of Chicago. Could be him. Um. He doesn't add anything to the movie. No. Like, there's no added benefit to having him. 
There's like, not. There's just not a lot of benefit to a lot of the characters. Like I, I like I don't know. I just hate how I hate how nosy everyone is because like here's the thing, Hannah. This isn't a small town. No. This is like the suburbs of Chicago. Right. There's no fucking way all of these people are that involved with their lives. Yeah. Like I go home, Hannah. And I don't, I like have routinely never run into anyone I know or like anyone's parents, any teachers, any people I know who still live in my, our hometown. I don't run into anybody. Right. Like I can go my day like not seeing anyone I know. And like we live in a, I would assume a relatively similar size right. suburb. Right. Like a, of a similar. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. not in a town with like 200 people where you know everyone's name. Right, like, it's not a small town. It's, You're in, like, a suburb. No one on their neighborhood street talks like that, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's Where just, the whole like neighborhood not, talks to each other. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I just, like, didn't... As someone... I mean, we're not from Chicago area, but as someone from, a like, a suburban Midwestern, ta- like, city area, just seemed really unrealistic. Also, what's the chance that every single person on that street actually celebrates Christmas? Very little for being right? a Chicago suburb. Right. There's a lot of people, like, in uh, just generally speaking from our subdivision, I knew a lot Who of people who don't celebrate, celebrate Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, growing up. So it wasn't like, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm fine stopping talking about this. Movie. Yeah, I am too. Otherwise, okay. we'll just keep going on and complaining. Yeah. Okay. So last episode, we brought up the fact that we would like to be able to revise our current ongoing lists. Yes. I think I cut that from the actual. Okay episode but anyways it was it was brought up between me and you um as we went over Lindsay lohan rankings we discussed the ability to change any of our existing long-term rankings which will stand for any moving forward um specifically because hannah made a lapse in judgment last year yes um and she'd like to correct that this year so i'm gonna do that now just so it okay it switches i just switched one uh place around okay um, basically all I did was I moved Happiest Season down to three and I moved Christmas Vacation up to number two. Okay. I felt like I, for some reason I thought Christmas Vacation I had to put lower because I've seen it so many times and then I realized okay. it's better than Happiest Season. Yeah. So that's my only switch. Okay. I can go it first. It doesn't really matter. You can go. Um, number nine, I have Christmas with the Cranks. I just like didn't enjoy any aspect of this movie. Part of me enjoying a Christmas movie means that there's some element of it that makes me joyful during the holiday season um, or emotional or has some sort of impact and or like has comedy that like makes me laugh. You know, again, holiday season. It's the best time of the year. This was not it. I didn't get joy out of it. It just sucked. 5% on Rotten Tomato, honestly. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Number nine. Yeah, number nine, I put Christmas for the Cranks. I don't need to explain. It was just not good. Yeah. Um, so number eight, I have Falling for Christmas, which was the Lindsay Lohan movie. Um, perfectly acceptable Christmas movie. But we had a really stacked Christmas list. So therefore, it's number eight. Yeah, number eight, I have Animated Grinch. I stick by it. I'm not saying anything else. Okay. Um, number seven, I have Happiest Season. I like this movie. I think it's good. Um, for a newer Christmas movie, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the characters. Um, it's just, again, our list is stacked. Like, we got a stacked Christmas list. So it went as number seven. Yeah, number seven, I had Falling for Christmas. Um, we talked about it last episode. I think it's a decent enough movie. It's a little bit better than, like, a Hallmark movie for me. And I just enjoyed Lindsay Lohan on the screen. Uh, number six, I have Love Actually. 
as a movie, I don't think this movie is honestly that great. However, it has some really good scenes. Um, again, particularly the Emma Thompson scene is like one of my favorite scenes just in general, especially of a Christmas movie. Um, so I think that's why it's higher than Happiest Season, just because of the the specific moments that I think work really well. Yeah, number six, I have Muppets Christmas. Um, to me, it's I enjoy the movie. I just don't think it's my favorite, and it never really has been. Um, number five, I have Muppets Christmas Carol, and I agree. I think it's a good movie. I think it's a maybe the best adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Um, Michael Caine really carries the movie. Love the Muppets, um, but I think it's um, in terms of like Christmas movies, I think it's like middle pack, perfectly good, but again, not a favorite. Yeah, number five, I went with Happiest Season. I just think. I think the reason it goes higher for me is because I was really not expecting much and it was better than I expected. And I think it was funny. It had good humor and I really liked the cast. And I like the like representation because I don't feel like you get a lot of Christmas movies that have like characters who aren't straight and who aren't, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, according to Cameron Candace Burr, you know, yeah, with her traditional, new, you need the traditional Christmas movies, right. you know? Yeah. So I think that's <laughs> traditional white Christmas movies. Right. So I think that's part of it for me too. Number four, I have The Grinch Animated. I strongly disagree with your opinion. This movie is 30 minutes long. That it, This is now, this is one I could watch every year and not grow sick of because it, it, it like hits in 30 minutes. Like you get music, you get good animation, you get a good character. Um, the story's a classic. It's just like a fun one. I appreciate it. I think it works well. Yeah. Number four, I have Elf. I really like Elf as a movie, as a Christmas movie. I think the problem with Elf is I watch it too often that it almost becomes a bit like hard in the middle because I always space out and I'm never paying attention. Um, But I think it's a really solid, strong Christmas movie and it's funny. Yeah. Number three, I have Elf. I really like Elf. I think when I was a kid, it might have been my favorite Christmas movie. Um, but as an adult, I, I still like it. I'm still fond of it, but I can agree that it's not the best Christmas movie. Um, and there's certain elements that I think don't work as well as other movies do. Yeah. So number three, number three, I went with Christmas Vacation. I love Christmas Vacation. We've always watched it every single year. It's, it's funny. It holds up from the time period it's from. Um, there just happens to be two movies that I like a little bit more, but Christmas Vacation definitely is like one of those movies that I don't think I'd ever get sick of. Um, number two, I have It's a Wonderful Life. I think this, in terms of like a Christmas drama, I think this is the best. Um, it is a well-told, well, like a character-driven story that works really well, especially considering this movie is almost 80 years old. Yeah. Like the fact that it still hits well in the modern era, I think is something that like is important to note. Um, and it's a classic for a reason. I think that it's not number one because it isn't my favorite. And I think it doesn't, for me, like there's one movie that I think represents Christmas, like my memory of Christmas and like the most. So number two. Yeah. Number two, I have love actually. Um, I know a lot of people don't like, love love actually it's kind of like polarizing but i just really really love all the character interactions you get i love a lot of the scenes i just think a lot of the scenes are like really enduring and i like 
I think this is one of those movies where you get a lot of characters, but it works because they tried to do like Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve or New Year's Day or whatever, and it got really chaotic. Yeah. Um, I think this is one of those movies where it works. I just really like the cast too, and I love Emma Thompson. Yeah, number one still, I have Christmas Vacation. I just love this movie. I think as a comedy in like combining comedy with Christmas, it just works so well. The story works, the humor for the most part holds up. The physical comedy is really what stands out to me. Um, like that scene on the ladder gets me every time and I know it's coming and I just love him like like fiddling around on the ladder and like everything with that I think holds up so well. Um, and I still... I think why it's number one is because I could watch this movie every single year and I pretty much have watched it every single year and never gotten sick of it. Um, It's like a comfort movie for me. Um, And I think it's like, you know, what I think of when I think of a Christmas movie, at least of the ones on our list. There might be one movie that I think could top it that we have not gone over, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, number one, I put It's a Wonderful Life. I love It's a Wonderful Life. I've always enjoyed it. I watch it every year. I just love like how simple it is. And I love anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a sucker for character development. And like I said, this is like a masterclass in character development. I love it. I love the black and white. Like it's just, I love old movies in general. Um, and I think it really embodies like, it sounds cheesy to say like the spirit of Christmas, but like a lot of the even though it doesn't like have a lot of like Christmas things besides it takes place on that day, I think like a lot of like the behind the scenes stuff is like the elements of Christmas to me. Yeah. That's Christmas I would, to me. Yes. I would personally recommend if you've never seen this film before to watch and it. you're looking to watch it, um, it is on Amazon Prime, but I would watch it in black and white. Black and white, yep. I watched it in color accidentally and it felt off putting to me. Yeah. Um, just in general. I think the black and white version is I don't think it needs to be in color to yep. enjoy it um, i agree like a lot of movies i don't need them to be colorized if that's not how they i mean to be fair they were in color when they were being filmed because <laughs> unlike hannah's beliefs as a child we didn't exist in black and white before color television was you know invented yes. i don't know but it's like something about the transition doesn't always work right and right. in this movie i just like felt off-putting to me but yeah yeah would rec- I would highly recommend it. If you've never seen it before, I think most people will enjoy it. Yeah. All right. Uh, number nine, I did Christmas with the Cranks, Grinch Animated, Falling for Christmas, Muppets Christmas, Happiest Season, Elf, Christmas Vacation, Love Actually, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, number nine, I have Christmas with the Cranks, Falling for Christmas, Happiest Season, Love Actually, Muppets Christmas Carol, The Animated Grinch, Elf, It's a Wonderful Life, and number one, Christmas Vacation. At the very least, Hannah, if we have none of them in order except for one, I'm glad we can agree that Christmas with the Cranks is the worst Christmas movie yeah, on our list. for sure. I think that's for something sure. to be proud of. I do too. Not for the movie, but for us. <laughs> not for the movie. Um, but yeah, we have, I think the next episode is not going to come out till next year. It's going to be our end of the year review. Yeah. It, at the earliest would come out at the very end of December, but probably it'll come probably out January. early January. But yeah, we'll be back with another year in review. We'll go yeah. over the year of 2022, um, the strengths, the weaknesses. We'll rank our episodes again. We did that um, yeah. in 2021. Um, just kind of go over how our year went and to go into celebrate our second anniversary Yeah, um, as we now will have been releasing episodes 
for two years. Two years. On our anniversary of January 6th. Which, look it up I can't if you don't believe, know why Hannah, that's weird. I can't believe our, our anniversary, like we started our podcast, it was supposed to be on January 6th. We said the absolutely fact that not. We had a, the fact that we had to cancel it a week, I still can't believe it. Yeah, that's life. What a time. What a time to be alive. Um, we have our Instagram, our Twitter, email r3podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can let us know your favorite Christmas movie. You can let us know if there's a Christmas movie you'd like us to watch next year. Anything like that. Yeah. We'll probably do and another three or five. Yeah. Three to five, I think. Yeah. Depending on how motivated we are. Really depends on how um, motivated we are. But we'll be back next year, probably. Yeah. See you then. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank Joseph McDade for our intro music. He provides free music available for all kinds of creative use. The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's r, the number three, p-o-d-c-a-s-t-s at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching Research Rank Repeat.